Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here with Ahmad Hicks, Andy Moeller, and Frank Cusimano. Things are getting serious in baseball, so we're going heavy on the Cardinals talk this week. Team riding a six-game winning streak and has people a little more fired up this week than I would say they were a week ago. Uh, now, according to baseball reference, the Cardinals still just have a 4% chance to make the playoffs. But that's actually a lot better than it was if you looked at it about a week or two ago. Ten games out in the Central, four and a half out in the wild card. Ahmad, is there any reason to be more optimistic right now than we were a week ago talking about this team? Absolutely. I mean, they're winning right now. Jack Flaherty's returning. I mean, he's back. Miles Michaelis is set to hit the lineup soon. I mean, things are looking up for the Cardinals and the, the offense has come alive. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, they're doing what they're supposed to do right now. So absolutely a reason to be optimistic. Only a couple of games back from the final wild card spot. They just need a couple of other teams to help them out. Frank, uh, Ahmad mentioned that they got their big gun back with Jack Flaherty and he looks really good in this his first time back six innings just two hits five strikeouts got the win against the Royals how much of an impact can just one guy returning to that rotation make I coupled really with now you got aces 1a and 1b if Adam Wainwright keeps pitching like he has been uh, he sets everything up because if you have that staff ace then all of a sudden you avoid losing streaks and believe me this guy wasn't throwing. He had an oblique issue. That right arm is as healthy and as fresh as it's ever been for Jack Flaherty in his career in the month of August. He's going to be lights out. And although I don't, I still think it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs with those odds, you know, 4%, I think I'd lay some money on it because you'd make a lot of money if they get in. If you're saying there's only a 4% chance, look, you're only four and a half behind the Padres who really have pitching issues. And the Reds are hurting. Jesse Winker's hurt. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's it's insurmountable anymore. I think I saw the Cardinals are a thousand to one odds. I'm pretty sure. So well, that's to win the World Series right now. But we're not talking about that. We're just talking about the playoffs. But yeah, if you're looking at Cardinals postseason odds, that might be a decent buy here. Although we are not gambling experts, and you should not take advice from us ever. Uh, just to have that little disclaimer in there, Andy. The the old guys, if you want to call them that that are not Adam Wayne, right? Because he's been rolling all year. They haven't been that bad lately either. Jay Happ has been really, really good for the Cardinals since he got here. 1.62 ERA in just over 16 innings. Lester looked better in his last time out too. You chalk that up as uh, facing some easy competition or do these guys still have a little bit left in the tank? I'm going to go with A, that it's, uh, that it's probably the competition. Uh, I will be very, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to still be that, get off my lawn guy uh, through this, at least the next three days. Uh, if we can get past the Brewers and, and get two out of three um, or, uh, okay, let's go, let's extend that further and get another sweep. Uh, then I may uh, try to see if I can squeeze onto the bandwagon. But um, I'm thinking right now, it's the, you know, the six game win streak is a product of their competition. Andy, not going out to get that J-Hap. Uh, jersey right away like everybody is rushing to do I know on on this Monday uh, speaking of the schedule this month is going to get a lot harder well this this month is the month to make headway it's going to get a lot harder going into September uh, this month they got the Brewers for three then they have seven more games against the Pittsburgh Pirates two against the Detroit Tigers two against the Reds at the end of the month and then it gets a lot harder September 10 against the Brewers they play the Reds, Dodgers, Mets, Padres. All of those teams have 
at least the same kind of playoff outlook as the Cardinals, if not a whole lot better. Ahmad, just how do you view this schedule? The Cardinals can't let these games, especially against the Pirates coming up, go to waste, and they're going to have their shot against the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, they have games that they, they need to win, and if you want to get in the playoffs, you have to beat good teams. I mean, because once you get in the playoffs, you're only going to play good teams. So I think that's a good thing for them right now. They can kind of get a test and do what they have to do before the playoffs get here and show why they're worthy of a playoff spot. So I think a, a big opportunity awaits them. Corey, 29 of the 45 games remaining for the Cardinals are against teams with winning records. Now, the fortunate thing is seven games left with the Cubs, and how pathetic and how bad are they going to be here down the stretch? Seven with the Pirates. We know how bad they are. So um, you got a tough schedule, but you also have some real patsies in there too. So uh, we'll see what happens. The Cubs are trying not lineups with guys I've never even heard of, and I consider myself a pretty big baseball fan. And for the Cubs to be trotting out guys we've never heard of, they're totally in the tank. Uh, let's move on a little bit. For the first time, at least over this past week or so, it looks like we might be seeing Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt at least mildly hot at the same time. Mike Schilt teased it like, oh gosh, it feels like two or three months now, and we're kind of finally seeing those two at the same time. Arnato's homered three straight. Goldschmidt has hits in all but three games in August. Power not quite there right now, but at least they're kind of hot. Are those two hitting their stride at the same time, Frank, enough to carry this offense down the stretch? Who's got to be a, the third guy to step up? Well, I think it's the guy that hit the home run yesterday in Tyler O'Neill, who's got 20 home runs, and he's going to get to 27 or 28. Uh, and the fact that you don't have, like, huge holes in the lineup at other spots, Harrison Bader has become a pretty decent offensive player with a, uh, with a near 800 OPS. When Dylan Carlson comes back, he's been a good player, one of the 10 best rookies in Major League Baseball. Uh, you'd like to have Tommy Edmond get on base more. You'd like to have Paul DeYoung hit for a little higher average. But all those big holes in the lineup, like most of last year and for chunks of this year, they're gone. This offense has got a little bit of mojo right now. Got some mojo. We'll see if we can keep up against the Brewers. But this weekend, also a little bit of excitement uh, going on outside the game. We've got a class going into the Cardinals Hall of Fame this week. Bill White, Tommy Hurd, John Tudor, Keith Hernandez. Uh, let's, uh, let's hit on Hernandez first. This is a long time coming. One of the greatest Cardinals of all time. A guy I'd say should also be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So, Andy, why in the world did it take this long to get him a red jacket? And just how satisfying do you think that moment's going to be? Um, because uh, most fans probably still pictured that he would have to put that red jacket on over a blue Mets uniform. Uh, he was associated with a, you know, a great rivalry there in the mid '80s. He didn't always, you know, he didn't leave on the best of terms, and uh, and fans like you know probably don't forget that. Uh, it's taken him a long time to to have gotten that past him, uh, and I think probably. Uh, you know, having Whitey Herzog, you know, vouch for you when uh, the two were kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of at loggerheads, I guess, uh, when the trade had to be made. But to get the endorsement from Whitey Herzog, I think it's probably a pretty good step in uh, fans finally realizing, okay, we need to, we need to forgive and move on. Yeah, I think Andy brings up a great point, and I think too that Whitey deserves like. Uh, a medal of honor 
for keeping his mouth shut when he traded him for Rick Owenby and Neil Allen. Because Whitey Herzog could have said, the reason I'm getting rid of this guy is because he's got some problems with drugs. But instead, he took the hit and he had all these people criticizing him. How can you trade a guy with 11 gold gloves and five all-star games for two okay pitchers? Well, we know why, uh, but Whitey took one for Keith Hernandez. Definitely going to be a big, big week for uh, 80s Cardinals fans this weekend. A lot of fun names going into the Hall of Fame. Let's get one more baseball topic in here. Not particularly Cardinals related. I'm not sure if everybody on here saw it or not. The Field of Dreams game. I know Frank and I were watching here at the station. I thought it was about perfect. It seemed scripted almost. I would run into Frank, the sports office, and say, oh, they hit another home run. They hit another home run into the corner. And then a walk-off home run. Frank, just how cool was that experience? I think it's a good chance we're going to see the Cardinals in that game next year against the Cubs. Yeah, it's a shame the Cubs will be so crappy, but uh, I'm looking forward to the game. And the best part about the whole game, I know, well, the Tim Anderson home run was the best, but the fact that they came out of the cornfields with the music, with Kevin Costner shaking their hands, oh my goodness, that was about as romantic as baseball can be. It was a wild, it was a wild sight to see it actually happening uh, in real life. I hope uh, it's been renewed and I think they're going to continue this for quite a while since it was, it was such a big hit. Uh, let's move on. We'll hit another topic here on the Sports Plus podcast this week. We're going to talk some Mizzou football with camp underway, some excitement starting to build. First things first, we got to talk about the local kids. Mookie Cooper, Dominic Lovett at wide receiver have been the talk of camp. And even Jay Macklin, who's a sophomore now there from Kirkwood, so far they've impressed. Ahmad, could those three young guys really make an impact right off the bat? We saw Macklin for one catch last year, but him coupled with these two freshmen are certainly making some noise. Well, right off the bat, I'm not sure. After the news that broke today, Jay Macklin, he broke his forearm, uh, and he's going to be out for three to four weeks. And Mookie Cooper has an undisclosed lower leg injury, so he's going to be sidelined for 10 to 14 days, if not longer. But if those guys do touch the field, I think the biggest player who will have the most impact is Dominic Lovett. He just has speed that can take the top off the defense. Uh, He's proved that at East St. Louis and all the videos that they posted uh, on their social media page. So I think Lovett will be a guy that we need to keep our eyes on. And if Cooper can get on the field and stay healthy, I think he also has unreal speed. So I think those will be the two that we need to keep our eyes on. uh, And they'll be big time playmakers for the Tigers. Love it's down the field ability and Cooper's speed were the, the things that the guys I talked to when I was there for their player media day really, really stuck out to all their teammates for sure. So it's going to be fun to watch. There's an interesting quarterback situation in Columbia. Connor Bazelak, obviously he's the starter. He's a captain. He's the guy. But there's a lot of talent behind him. Brady Cook, Tyler Macon, then the big recruit, Sam Horn, coming in next year. Frank, there's only one starting quarterback, but it's never bad to have quality backups. And, uh, hey, if Bazelak goes down, there's a lot of talent there ready to step in. Yeah, well, I love Tyler Macon. And Connor Cook has a pretty good-looking arm, too. It's just like the most unhappy position in sports, the Division I college quarterback, because they're all studs, and only one can play, and three of them transfer. They're all looking for a spot. Because let's face it, you know, we're going to be saying about Connor Cook or Tyler Macon, or even Connor Bazelak if he loses his job, Oh, the poor guy lost his job, had to go to somewhere else, and maybe didn't get a job there. Uh, look, it's, it's the way you have to do it. you got to stack your recruiting classes and bring in a lot. It's just really unfortunate that only one can play. Speaking about recruiting, Eli Drinkwitz 
still rolling on the recruiting train, getting kids to commit, even flip in a lot of cases. Uh, I, I don't think other programs appreciate that very much, but Drinkwitz is going in there, doing his thing. Most excitement I've seen in the program in quite a while, Andy. He seems like the perfect fit so far, but now he's actually got to win some games. Last year, five and five, that was fine for last year. But if he doesn't win the game, if he doesn't win more games, the recruiting is really not going to be uh, that big of a win. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you can win the off season, but if you don't post numbers uh, in the games, that uh, you, be, you become irrelevant very quickly. And then you can recruit all you want. Uh, you know, guys, guys are going to come to the programs that win. So he needs to really make 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 hay this year and establish that winning uh, that winning trend. Uh, and you know, where Mizzou is taken seriously. Speaking about Mizzou being taken seriously, they've got a new athletic director, Desiree Reed Francois, taking over for Jim Sturk. And her introductory presser made it clear she's here to go big or go home. Ahmad, what would it really take? to get Mizzou to that next level as an athletic department? Maybe not just football, but just total. Getting to a tier with the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Floridas in the SEC, is that an attainable goal, or are these people just saying what the, what everybody wants to hear? Well, I won't doubt Drinkwitz, but um, I feel as long as Nick Saban is there at, at Alabama, it's going to be a tough time to really take over the SEC. I think the one way you you kind of take over the SEC and get to that next level is by winning, and they have to win. They have to get back to an SEC championship and be competitive because if your football team is good, then the numbers show that your enrollment goes up and everything around your school goes up. I think Conzo also has to have a good year on the basketball court as well. If those two teams can get back to the SEC championship, then I think Mizzou can take the next step. Next step. If they can't win enough games, I, I, I think they'll be right where they are right now. Frank, what did you make of Desiree Reed Francois and all the big plans she had? And the President Moon Choi had even bigger plans. It, it sounded like. Well, I, I like the hire. Um, I think it was unnecessary uh, for the president to say that Jim Sterk was basically fired. I think he should have probably stayed away from that. Stirk was a good guy. He did some good things. He raised a lot of money. He, you know, he hired a fine coach in Conzo. There was no need for that. But with that said, I do like to hire. She does seem charismatic, dynamic. She's got an incredible resume, division one athlete, you know, a practicing attorney, worked at two big fives, presently the AD at UNLV. Yeah, there's a lot going on with her. So it'll be, uh, it'll be great to see what kind of AD she is. In this week's Spotlight interview, we've got a pair of sports legend on our hands. Frank Tuck with golf icons Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson as they came to town ahead of the Ascension Charity Classic, where they talk golf, life, and why they want to help grow the game. Here's the interview as it aired on Sports Plus Sunday night. I talked to Ozzie Smith on Friday, and he's really pumped up about playing with you. I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts about our St. Louis baseball legend? Have you watched him over the years? I, I, well, Ozzie, I've met Ozzie several times, but, uh, uh, you know, he was a great baseball player. That's, that's, that's where he comes from. And, uh, you know, his golf game will be a lot better than mine, too. Will you be competitive in this atmosphere? I'll or just all fun. I'll be terrible. How would you characterize your game right now? If I break 100, I've done well. You'll be playing. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh at me, but that's the truth. 
I know you've talked about it, but this club has always been special to you. This is where a great marriage began. Well, it is. Uh, Norwood Hills has always been a, a special place because my uh, longtime caddy, Bruce Edwards, uh, found me in the parking lot. It was a hot day, 95 degrees. He was in the shade. And I was walking up to the registration with my golf bag over my shoulder, and he came up to me and said, Tom, can I caddy for you? So I said, well, hold it. Let me find out a little bit more about you. So we stood there and said, where are you from, and all that sort of stuff. And that uh, initial uh, uh, meeting uh, ended up uh, being a long relationship for over 30 years. I know it's tough to choose a favorite major. It's a, like choosing a favorite child. But is 86 got to be up there? Well, all of them are pretty special. I think all of my majors are special. 86 was probably the most unusual and at a different time. So it was probably turned out to be uh, uh, the one most people will think of and probably one that I'll probably cherish the most in the end. Two of your signature moments, not just winning majors, but beating the greatest in the world. But I love his reaction to you after each one of them. Can you tell the story? Well, yeah, the, the, uh, you know, in 1977, I, uh, Jack and I, Played the last two rounds at the at the Open Championship at Turnberry, and I ended up beating him by a shot. And he, and I walked, when he walked off the green, he grabbed he grabbed me by the shoulders. Uh, actually, by he put his arm around my neck, and he said, "Tom, I gave you my best shot, but it wasn't good enough." And up until that time, I, you know, I, I my career really had taken off. It's just started to take off. I won a number number of tournaments earlier that year, and when he said that to me, I said. You know, I, you know, if I can beat Jack, I can beat them all. Can you describe the high you got from competition at its best? We don't know what this is like. Uh, well, you know, I never really tried to make a high out of it. Uh, Why did you love it? Well, I mean, I, I, I love competition because I, I love to compete. I love to have fun with it. Uh, it was, it, it, you know, I enjoyed playing the game of golf. I had fun playing the game of golf. And you don't ever want to do anything that you don't enjoy. And I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed competing. I enjoyed beating somebody. Or, frankly, a lot of times if I got beat and I played well, I actually enjoyed that too. Uh, I mean, nobody likes to lose, but, you know, if, if it, like Tom, Tom beat me on a couple events and, you know, I actually I thought I, those, were, those were pretty good events. Our manager here, Tony LaRusso, once said that losing hurts a lot worse than winning feels good. Do you agree with that assessment? Absolutely. It digs a hole in your in your gut, you know. You, and what it does, it steals you. When it defeats steal. You know, it always steals me. And I wanted to go out the very next day, and I wanted to practice the shots that I didn't perform well. This tournament is about growing the game in areas where it hasn't been grown in the past. Why is it? Why has it been important for you to grow the game in inner cities and to promote it? Well, to me, it's it's important to grow the game everywhere not just the inner cities, everywhere. You know, I want to see golf flourish everywhere. Uh, in this particular case, we're giving opportunities for kids who never had the opportunity to play golf. I want to do that everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter where it is. You've gone out of your way to grow the game, and sometimes in inner cities, this tournament is about that. Why has it been important for you to grow the game? I just, I just thought that, the, that I wanted to be part of helping the game of golf grow. And, 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 and introduce it to places. I mean, I've built golf courses in, in, in you know, several countries that they, nobody played golf. Now they do. And 
that's kind of that, that makes you feel good here. But you know, all of a sudden you you build a golf course in country, and all of a sudden now we've got several thousand people playing the game, and it's going to grow up. To, it'll eventually grow up to millions. But you help start that. That's a that's a that's a that's a nice legacy. That will do it for this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.